So have you ever mailed someone a, a really nice holiday card? You know, sent someone a holiday card, maybe put it in the Lottie Moon post office here in the back hall. I came across some interesting cards uh, that were popular this year, some that you could buy, kind of some custom-made cards. One of them just said this, Merry Christmas, I hope I sent this by February. Sometimes you just, you got to be sure you get it in the mail, right? Another one said this, tis the holiday season, may your sweaters be ugly and bright. Bless you, Scott McDonald. We're so glad that that has been a part of your holiday. One family's card said this, sending joy to all our favorite people, love the Brandon family. And then down below, congratulations on making the list. Yeah, you made it. You're one of the favorites. The Everett family had a card with three super cute pictures of their family, mom and dad and the kids, and then in the middle of the card, it simply says this, our real life looks nothing like this. <laughs> Listen, anytime you pick up somebody's card and that family looks perfect, bless, it's a lie. We all know that, right? Because our card is, is the same thing. I appreciate their desire to keep it real. You know, we live in a day and age where you know, there is a decrease, some say, in the sending out of cards, and, and others say an increase. There seems to be a, a decrease in the type of cards that you buy just at the, at the box store, but there seems to be an increase in, in personalized cards. And so it's all over the place whether or not we're really sending out as many cards as we used to. But today, we have social media and text messaging and email, so, so we can send something a lot quicker, a lot easier, and even oftentimes uh, in a less expensive ways. But, but it really doesn't matter if it's digital or if you get something in the mail. It's just nice to be greeted, isn't it? It's just, it's just nice to receive a greeting. In a world where things are, are dark and grim and, and we seem to be played down upon that constantly, it seems to be so much bad news. It's good to know that in the middle of, of all the bad news that every now and then there's just, there's just a greeting. There's just someone that, that steps out into our life and, and just acknowledges that we exist. Someone has defined a greeting this way, a willing action to recognize the presence of others. A willing action to recognize the presence of others. So what kind of greeter are you? Are you an email person? Are you a text person? Are you a DM person? Or are you a, a holiday greeting card person? Do you mail it? Do you handshake? Do you hug? Do you elbow bump? Do you side hug? Do you fist pump? How is it that you greet people? And does it matter? Does it matter whether or not you greet people? Does it matter how you greet people? Well, interestingly, God seems to say that, that greeting's important. He has greetings throughout the Bible. He makes sure that, that greetings made it into Holy Scripture. And so there's a, a picture of greeting, at least from God's perspective, that, that seems to tell us as believers that it's something we're supposed to be doing. In other words, God wants Christians to be greeters. So what does that look like in real life? What does it look like to be a Christian greeter? Well, let's see if we can find out this morning. Apostle Paul writing to his friends in Philippi, beginning in verse 21 of chapter 4, Paul writes this, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul was a greeter in, in real life. And, and what was his real life? Well, his real life at the moment that he's writing this is he's in prison. So he's in a difficult situation. 
He's in a time of life where most of the freedoms of his life have been taken away from him, and yet still he is recognizing the presence of others. He is still greeting others. How do you greet when life is difficult? How's your your greeting when when things don't go great at school or or things don't go great at work? How's your greeting when when you don't get the Christmas present that you were looking for or your Christmas cookies don't turn out the way you wanted them to? How's your greeting when when your finances hit a bump in the road or your your health hits a bump in the road? How, How do you greet when things are difficult? Listen, none of us are perfect. We're all going to have our days, our weeks, our months where we struggle in recognizing the presence of others, where we struggle in greeting others. But, but generally speaking, how do we do at recognizing others when we are dealing with difficulty? I have watched some people in some of the most difficult and most tragic moments of their lives bring some healing and some help and some encouragement to their own hearts and their own minds just by recognizing the presence of others. I've seen those folks stand in a a long line at customer service the, the week after Christmas, and I've seen them just give a kind greeting to the person working the counter when they get up there. I've seen these same folks in the middle of the night at the hospital When the nurse comes in to check the vitals, they they just give a a kind greeting to that nurse that's caring for them. I've seen some of these same folks give a a kind greeting to the the person that stopped by their house and and dropped off a casserole and, and five packages of paper plates because someone in the family had died. Just a kind greeting. Just recognizing the the presence of others. We won't do it perfectly because we're not perfect, but but there seems to be this picture of Paul pulling us toward greeting. And so how, how is your greeting life on the difficult days? How is your greeting life on the good days, the not difficult days? Do you graciously recognize the presence of others, other people? I was reading once a, about a political consultant, and they were talking about the candidate that they worked for And they said that their candidate could go into any room anywhere in the country. There could be hundreds of strangers in that room. And that candidate could go almost instantaneously and find the person in the room that was the most broken, that was hurting the most and had the most pain. They knew how to recognize others. Paul says that we need to recognize the presence of others. Paul was a greeter. And who was he greeting? Well, he was greeting the saints. Who are the saints? Well, it's a football team, but but that's another story. And and it's also kind of confusing because sometimes we hear the word saints and we go, oh, well, those are people who have already died. You know, the saints, they've already died, you know. Or those are people who who have done some amazing, unique, special deed in life. You know, Saint Paul, Saint Peter, Saint Matthew, you know, Pope John Paul II or, or Mother Teresa or others like that. But the reality is, according to the Bible, a saint is anyone who is a true believer and follower of Jesus Christ. A saint is a Christian. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, Paul says, To those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling. The blood of Jesus Christ 
saves and redeems and sanctifies a person and allows them to be part of the kingdom of God. A saint is not someone who has done good deeds. You don't become a saint because you've done a good deed. You become a saint because the deed has been done for you. Salvation has been accomplished for you. A person becomes a saint because the surpassing value of the holiness and the righteousness and the beauty and the purity of Jesus is credited to that person's account. A saint is not someone who has performed good deeds. A saint is someone who has been rescued by Jesus. Paul's writing, he's giving a request to greet the folks, but he's not just saying howdy. The tense of the verb here is imperative. So he's saying, hey, I really want you to greet him, but he's also kind of tag teaming that by saying, hey, and I want you to be a greeter. Not just greeting others, but be a greeter yourself. So how do believers greet one another? Well, Paul was writing to the church at Rome, and he said this, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, some cultures, this still works. I'm just going to tell you, it probably ain't going to work in the South too much, all right? So, you know, we got to be a little careful. But, but the idea behind it is, is fantastic. The idea behind it is this. Greet each other because you have affection for one another. Greet each other because you love one another. There's a lot of one another's in the Bible. A lot. Just, here's just a, a short list of some of the one another's. Build up one another. Serve one another. Be devoted to one another. Rejoice with one another. Weep with one another, admonish one another, be kind to one another, forgive one another, submit to one another, comfort one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, confess your faults to one another, be truthful with one another, do not take one another to court. And there's just a few of the one another's that we see in the Bible. But maybe the, the most powerful, maybe most important one is is to love one another. We see this in several places in Scripture, and that's super easy to do, right? I mean, it's easy for us to love one another, right? I mean, there's never a time that anybody in our church ever does anything wrong, right? I mean, we never forget to do something. We never forget to show up for something. We never say the wrong thing at the wrong time, right? We never do anything wrong, right? We're that church where everybody just does the the right thing all the time. Well, no, we aren't, and, and neither is any other church in the world. No, we're, we're sinners, and it's hard to love each other sometimes, right? Yeah, because sometimes we don't like what the other person does. Sometimes we don't like what the other person didn't do. Sometimes we keep score, and we shouldn't. So it's hard sometimes to love one another because we're sinners, and we're going to mess up, and we're going to fail, but we have been called to love one another. And one of the best ways that we can love one another is to obey the command to greet one another. The simple command of greeting. Maybe not with a holy kiss, maybe with a holy hug or a holy handshake or a holy elbow bump or a holy fist bump or whatever it may be. But, but we've been called to love one another and to greet one another. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, Peter said this, Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. The math here is really simple. Peter seems to say, you know what? If we're talking about love, then we're going to talk about obedience. 
He seems to be making this connection that the people who grow in their love for obeying God's truth will grow in their love for other people. So question, how are you doing at loving other Christians? How are you doing it at loving other people in the church? How are you doing it at loving other Christians you know in other places? If you feel like you're struggling, then Peter seems to be saying the question you should ask is, well, how is your obedience to God? Because the picture seems to be a, a decrease in obedience to God's truth means there will be a, a decrease in love. So if we are struggling in loving others, then maybe we need to increase our obedience to the Lord. That there's a, a connection between those two things. That obedience to God will stir us to love others. My brother-in-law wrote these words that I've used in, in every wedding ceremony that I've ever performed. It goes like this. Love is not always a feeling, but it is always a choice. If you spend your life choosing to love, there will never be a shortage of feelings. So loving the saints and greeting the saints, it's, it's a choice. It's, it's a choice. We could say it this way. Authentic faith will lead to authentic love. And authentic love will lead to more love. In other words, if there's a struggle of love, then there's a struggle of faith. So as our obedience to God increases, our love will increase. Authentic faith will lead to authentic love. How about that for a Christmas present? Think of all the things that you, you may have gotten this year. I have to say this, bless, if you were here for any of the sermons in the last few weeks, bless one of, well, my oldest child's dear heart. Because in the sermon, I said something about, you know what? A great Christmas gift would be, would be a bag of king-size candy bars from the gas station. I got one. That's fantastic. Love it. But, but imagine of all the gifts that you got this year, imagine if the gift that you gave your family and your church and your extended family and your, your community and your coworkers, what if the gift you gave them was this? Merry Christmas. The gift I'm giving you this year is increased obedience to God. Because I've become convinced that, that increased obedience to God means that my love for you is going to increase. And my obedience to God means that not just is it going to increase, but my love for God is going to lead to my love for you being stronger and deeper. Now that's a Christmas gift. That, that, that'll make a few more rounds than a bag of chocolate or some cologne or perfume or, or whatever else you may got. Paul said this, greet every saint. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus because it is an expression of your love and your obedience in and through Christ. And notice he says every saint. Not an accident there. Listen, life is hard. Life is difficult. Life is full of heartache and pain. Life is full of, of tragedy and triumph and trials and trouble. And because life is, is so hard, for the good of our hearts, for the good of the gospel, for the good of this church, for the good of the community, for the good of the evangelization of the world, we need to be good greeters and encouragers to all the saints who are Baptist and Presbyterian and Methodist and Lutheran and non-denominational and anyone else who is believing in and relying on and trusting in and clinging to 
Christ the Messiah. We need to be good greeters to the saints, and not just to the saints. We need to be good greeters to the saints because what happens is then the saints get built up and the church gets built up and all of a sudden all of that greeting and all of that love, it spills over from our lives into the lives of people who are not saints. We're not just greeting the saints, we're we're greeting one another in an effort to become a community and a family that greets the world with the joy of Jesus. If you're a member of Holland Avenue Baptist Church, you are officially a greeter. If you're a member, you're a greeter. Even if you've been attending a long time, you're a greeter. But that's who you are. You're a greeter. Rebecca McLaughlin is a wife, mom, author, theologian. A few months ago, she shared a story about something that happened recently in her church. It was Sunday morning. She was talking to a friend of hers, catching up with that friend, and, and she noticed out of the corner of her eye that there seemed to be a person she didn't recognize, someone that she thought might be a visitor. And this is what she said. Honestly, I wish I hadn't seen her. Interrupting my friend would be rude. It's good for me to invest in friends. Someone else will likely spot that woman. These were some of the excuses that ran through my head. But the woman was clearly new and, for all I knew, not a believer. So reluctantly, I interrupted my friend. And she went over and she spoke to the woman. Well, come to find out, the woman had not been to any kind of church in in more than a decade. And her fiancé had just broken up with her before their wedding. And she showed up that morning just searching for something, seeking for anything. And so Rebecca greeted her, and, and then she invited her to come to their small group during the week. And to my knowledge, that young woman has never left the church since. She's been there ever since. So what stirred Rebecca to think, hey, I need to be sure I speak to that lady? This is how she described it. This is one of many opportunities my husband, Brian, and I have had to connect with not yet Christians inside our church building. We have very little else in common. I'm an extrovert, he's an introvert. I'm from England, he's from Oklahoma. I'm into literature, he's an engineer. But God drew us together around a shared mission, shared sense of mission, and Brian recently expressed that mission in three rules of engagement at church. I'm going to give you those three rules, but this is what she said. These rules make our Sundays less comfortable, but more rewarding. So, Look at my notes this week. Uh, she gives some great commentary on each one of these things. The whole article's there. You can see a link to it at the end of my, my sermon notes online. But I just want to give you the three things that Brian mapped out. Here they are. An alone person in our gatherings is an emergency. That's good. An alone person in our gatherings is an emergency. Secondly, friends can wait. And third, introduce newcomers to someone else. An alone person in our gathering is an emergency. Friends can wait introduce newcomers to someone else. Friends can wait is is a helpful one. She says this about that. Friends can wait for our attention on a Sunday. Spurring each other on to welcome strangers in Christ's name won't weaken our friendships. It will deepen them. Why? Because we will be a part of that shared mission. Hey, I'm I'm not here to be entertained. I'm, I'm here to serve. I'm here to find a way to encourage and help people. And some Sundays, you're going to show up and you don't have anything in you to serve. You're wiped out. you got nothing in the tank. And that's when someone else will come up next to you and they will greet you. They will encourage you. We are greeters. 
Let me greatly affirm that our church is possibly the friendliest congregation I've ever been around. All of my friends, family, uh, people who visit tell our staff this all the time, just how unbelievably friendly our church is on Sunday morning. So let me just greatly affirm you and encourage you. Keep up the great work. It's, it's fantastic. One of my friends told me after he visited, he goes, that is the friendliest church I've ever been to in my life. And he's right. We are super friendly. But, but God's called us to be more than just friendly. He's called us to greet. And greet is more than just a handshake and, and welcome to church. Greeting sometimes means that you ask that person's name. Greeting means that you invite them to your Sunday school class or to your small group. Greeting means you might even invite that person out to lunch. In other words, it's something that might be a little more uncomfortable, but that discomfort actually comes with great reward. What kind of reward? Well, a few months after that young woman had been visiting in the church, they were in a small group together and and the question was asked, hey, what's something that God has done in your life? And this is what she said just a, a few months after she was greeted at church. I'm so grateful my fiancé broke up with me. If that hadn't happened, I would not have found God. See, the reward in, in us going beyond friendliness and, and moving into a greeter is that we might actually be a part of someone finding God. That's why we greet. But that's why we, we take the extra step and, and the extra move. You know, something similar happened in the life of our church. Someone who was, who was broken, someone who was discouraged, and, and they prayed that God would send someone to greet them, to, to help them, to encourage them. And two months after they prayed that, two months after they wrote that prayer down, God sent someone to them, someone from our church to greet them, to help them, to encourage them. And that person eventually visited our church, and that person eventually joined our church, and now that person in unique and incredible ways is serving the saints and their families at our church. And a few nights ago, they texted me just to say, man, praise God for this. So if you're a Christian, you're a greeter. If you're part of the family of God, you're a greeter. We greet every saint, and we even greet folks who are not saints, because God has called us to greet in the name of Christ. Again, what does that look like in real life? Well, listen to what Paul says next. The brethren who are with me greet you. So Paul's in prison, difficult time. He's writing a greeting, writing to encourage and help someone else. And there's other people with Paul, and they're sending their greeting on as well. So people like Timothy and Epaphroditus, they, they were with Paul. They decided to stay close to Paul. They were sticking close to Paul in prison. They were trying to encourage him, to minister to him, and minister with him to others. They didn't even know these people. I mean, Timothy probably didn't know anybody in the church at Philippi. Some of the people sitting in Paul's prison, so they don't know anyone at that church. But they send their greetings on as well. It's probably been about seven or eight years ago now. I was at the family home place over in Lee County, a little more than an hour from here. And it was our annual big extended family Christmas gathering. And after lunch, my dad and my aunt and my uncle and their aunt were all sitting at a table in the kitchen talking. And, and I went in there, just kind of leaned up to the wall and, and listened in on their conversation. 
And I stayed there, I don't know, maybe, maybe 10, 15 minutes just listening to them swap stories about other people. It went something like this. Well, you remember the, the boy that, you know, she married that boy who was, you know, living on the farm that Uncle Rudolph, you know, rented, you know, to Clara's cousin. You, you remember? Oh, you mean Clara's cousin that grew up next to Billy Johnson? No, 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 no. Billy Johnson grew up to Clara's nephew. Oh, oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, you, know, you remember it. It was, uh, it was Ralph Neely. Remember, uh, Ralph Neely was over there, and, and he lived next door. And, 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 you, and you remember Ralph Neely, his daughter married Ed Johnson's son. You remember? And you know, remember Ed Johnson, you know, he was, he was the one that was game warden with daddy. Y- y'all, y'all remember that. And I mean, and on and on and on and on and on. I mean, every genealogy you can imagine, every, and I sat there, just, my head was spinning. I mean, I'm hoping I can remember all four of my kids' names on any given day. And they are remembering every little moment of all these people's lives, and I just couldn't believe it. But you know what was great about it? You know why I sat there and kept listening? Because they, they just all smiled. They were so enjoying that conversation. They were enjoying just the, the beauty of telling stories about the lives of other people, not, not gossiping. They weren't sitting there being rude. They weren't talking bad about people. In there. They were just telling stories about people's lives. I think that's almost what it must have been like in Paul's prison cell. Paul and Epaphroditus, they're sitting there. They, they both, Epaphroditus is from the church in Philippi, and, and Paul had been there, helped start the church, and, and they're sitting in the prison cell, and they're telling stories about Lydia, about this businesswoman who came to faith in Christ. They're, they're telling stories about the jailer, the, the one who was part of imprisoning Christians about how he came to faith in Christ. And, and they're just telling the stories. And, and the other folks sitting there going, man, this is amazing. Praise God for what's going on. Hey, you know what? Tell them we said hey to. Tell them we said hey to. And why would they do that? Because that's what a saint does. A saint doesn't sit in their country club and be rude and mean and petty about what they don't like. A saint doesn't sit in their country club and, and say, well, we're going to do what we can to protect our people, and we don't want anybody else coming in, but we'll steal your people too. And that's not what a saint does. A saint says, there is a church in Alabama crushed this morning, and we're going to weep with them. We're going to grieve with them. We're going to mourn with them. A saint says there's a, a church a few blocks over from us and they're struggling. We're going to pray for them. We might even stop by and try to encourage their pastor this week. A saint knows that we're in this together. And that in this world that is dark and full of sin, this world that is full of tragedy every single day, a saint says we need each other and we have the gospel. We need each other and we have the gospel. Saints know they are not on an island, but they are in this together. And a saint, a Christian knows, you know what? I'm a greeter. And you know what's amazing? What's amazing is where you'll find some saints. Listen to what Paul said next. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. I feel like I could preach a whole sermon on this one verse, and most of y'all know I can do that. And so, but I'm not. This is just kind of a little, little quick semi-thought here about this passage. So the household here that Paul's referring to is Nero. The same Nero that was known for persecuting and executing Christians. And so Paul's writing here saying, you know what? 
there's some saints in Nero's household. There's some saints in Nero's government. And how, how is that possible? Well, we don't know for sure. You know, Maybe it's like some of our modern-day missionaries. They go to some of the hardest places in the world, and they can't go in and say, hey, I'm a Christian missionary. Let me tell you about Jesus. They have to go as doctors or, or lawyers or accountants or, or business people or nurses or whatever it is they've been trained to be. And they, they go in and they live and they work and they use opportunities they have to make much of Jesus. Maybe it was something like that. Or maybe as long as you're a, a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant or a soldier, somebody in Nero's government or army and you're helping him, you're a good soldier or you're you know, making money for him and, and you're not standing around preaching Jesus to everybody all day, maybe Nero didn't care. He'd just leave you alone as long as you're doing your job. We don't know. We just know that Paul says that there were saints in the house and the government of Nero. Now, now, here's just a quick little point I want us to get in our minds. Maybe you didn't like Clinton. Maybe you didn't like Bush. Maybe you didn't like Obama. Maybe you don't like Trump. Maybe the, the leaders of, of Russia and Syria and North Korea, maybe those men make you nervous. But can we just kind of agree that the likelihood that there are saints, there have been saints, and there will be saints under all of those roofs and in all of those governments, the likelihood of that is high. The likelihood that God has Christians in places that many people would never walk through the door, the likelihood of that is high. Because His kingdom is forever. No kingdom on this earth is forever, but his kingdom is forever. And he puts his saints where he wills. We looked at these words a couple of Sundays ago. Listen to them again. Isaiah chapter 46. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been done saying this, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Truly I have spoken. Truly I will bring it to pass. I have planned it. Surely I will do it. That's our God. Joy to the world, to that God. Oh, come all ye faithful to that God. That's our God whose plans and purposes will be established. If you're a Christian, you're a greeter. And the reason you can greet is because your God's purposes will be established. His plans will be carried out. His promises will be fulfilled. And so we greet and we love and we encourage and we help because of the fuel behind our greetings. And that fuel is Jesus himself. I was reading this week about an elderly woman in Durham, England. She sits by her window every day, and she waves and smiles at everybody that comes down the road. Her granddaughter says she has dementia, she is depressed, and she has other disabilities. But every day, she waves and smiles. And then this week, somebody sent her a holiday card, and in that card was a little gift card to the local grocery store, and this is what the card said. To the lady who wa waves and smiles with Christmas wishes, 
It's nice to see you smile and wave when I walk past your house. Please accept my small token gift to give you another reason to smile. The card was simply signed, Lee. Lee didn't know the elderly woman. The elderly woman didn't know Lee. But every day that elderly woman with dementia, who's depressed, discouraged, and disabled, sat by her window, sits by her window, and she waves and she smiles. And for one person that walked by, her wave and her smile meant a lot, enough to send a greeting. Listen, if the only thing you can do is wave and smile, then wave and smile for the glory of God. Wave and smile, whatever that looks like in your life. Find your way to be a greeter. If you are a Christian, you are a waver, you are a smiler, you are a greeter. Why? Because our God will establish His purposes. And because you have been transferred out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light. And the beauty of the gospel is that right now the treasures of Jesus Christ are yours and they will be yours forever. And because those things are true, we can greet and we can love and we can encourage and we can wave and we can smile. We can greet all the saints and we can greet anybody who's not a saint in Christ Jesus. Why? Because we have Christ Jesus. Christians, we are greeters because our Lord has greeted us. The gospel has won our hearts. So let us go into the world and never quit singing, yea, Lord, we greet thee, and pointing people in the direction of our King, our Messiah, and our Savior.